It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast, Missouri and LSU in a couple days, and we are going to talk about that one, but every week we've been bringing back a former Tiger for you guys to kind of catch up, see what's going on with, uh, with some of the guys you watched, and this week... We go way back to my days in college, which means it was uh, quite a while ago. Not calling our next guest old by any means, just calling, just dating myself. Former Missouri running back Devin West joins us. Devin, how you doing, man? I'm well, thanks, and I am getting old, so it's okay. <laughs> well, you can say that I can't, but uh, but but look, you were in school the same year as I was, so uh, so I know how you feel. But uh, first off, just want to let Missouri fans know, and and I know you were back in Columbia last week, got to uh, be honored down on the field. But uh, want to let Missouri fans know kind of what you're doing these days. Sure, I am uh, living in Springfield, Missouri, uh, currently with my wife and my three children, and. I'm working for a company called Gardner Capital, and uh, we are doing well. Uh, we cannot complain about much of anything. Great. <laughs> Good deal. Uh, and you were back at uh, at Faro last weekend, and and I'm sure you've been back for some other games, but just kind of having a chance to to be recognized in front of the fans and all that. What was that like for you? Well, you know, it was quite awesome. Um, my my children, uh, my oldest is eight, and so uh, I don't really talk much about my old football career because it was so long ago, but <laughs> They do know that I did play, and it was awesome. We've been up to Perot, obviously, and we've been on the field without the crowd. But they just never had a chance to experience what it was like, you know, with a crowd. And uh, it was quite awesome for them to see. It was actually quite awesome for me as well to come back and and be in the stands, or excuse me, be on the field with people in the stands and to hear the cheering. And uh, it brought back a lot of memories. That's for sure. So your kids don't sit around uh, watching uh, old YouTube videos of you and Corby, huh? <laughs> no, they do not. They do not. They love YouTube, but no, no, no videos of me and Corby. <laughs> I got you. Now, uh, let's start back, kind of with uh, with just some of your memories of of playing. And I mean, the one that I think everybody remembers is uh, you know the the team that will no longer play Missouri, uh, three hundred nineteen yards against Kansas. Uh, how, how often? Do you meet people that still bring that up? Well, uh, you know, I, I find people – here's what I find. People have no idea who I am, but they'll say my name. And then you'll see this really? look on their face, and they'll be like, wait a minute, De- Devin? Devin West? How do I know you? <laughs> and you know me, I, I just don't – I don't really talk about it much. I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I mean, I've been around for a while. And then somebody will come up and say, I know who you are. <laughs> and then they'll talk about that game in particular, uh, but they'll also talk about uh, some of the other games that we had in the years that we had playing up there. So, you know, it's it's uh, looking back now, it's it's awesome because uh, you don't really think that people would remember that. It seems like it's been so long ago, but they absolutely do. And it's always great when you have a fan that comes up and they remember who you are and they remember, you know, the things that you and your team did to uh, help Missouri get back to the, you know, college football uh, and actually to have a name in college football. So mm-hmm. it, it's actually pretty awesome. And obviously, and, and deservedly so, Gary Pinkle and, and what he did gets a lot of credit for putting Missouri on the national map. But I've always thought it was it was those 97, 98 teams that, that you were on that took Missouri from embarrassing to no longer embarrassing, you know, decent so that Pinkle could do what he did. I mean, I, I think those are, are teams that are overlooked in Larry Smith and kind of what they did for Missouri. 
No, I would agree with you. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's one of the things that uh, people tend to forget is that Larry Smith came in to a program that was absolutely ridiculous. And I don't mean to offend anyone that played before me, but the program wasn't in great shape, but uh, he came in and and he instilled into us some mental toughness and physical toughness. And we were able to carry that out on the field and play well. Uh, not to mention we had great athletes on, on that field as well, but it was something that we got a chance to do. So a lot of people do forget that Larry Smith actually started the, the whole rise again and the players that played back in the late 90s. And I know college football recruiting has changed so much since you went through it, but it's one of the things that, that we always talk about. You know, look, if if nobody ever went to schools that were down, they'd never be able to come back. So what, take me way back in – how does a coach convince a guy like you or a guy like Corby, you know, some of the guys on that team to come and, hey, I know we've we've been down, but but come be a part of turning this thing around? Yeah, what, what he did well was he sold the idea of being from the state of Missouri. Um, and that's what Larry Smith did so well. And when he when he showed up at my door, it was all about being from the state of Missouri, trying to get Missouri back to where it was a powerhouse in football. And one of the things he talked about were all the recruits that we had from Missouri. Um, you know, Eddie Brooks, Corby Jones, obviously. And then later on in the years with Justin Smith, Gage, and uh, a couple other players, Justin Farmer. I mean, I can go down the list. There's a ton of people that, were, that came from the state of Missouri. But that's what he, that's what he did. He said, okay, here's the deal. Uh, right now, we're not looking very good. But my plan is to include you and these players so that we can get back to being champions. And here's what I feel. I feel like you can play for us. I know you can play for us. And I want to put you out on the field, and you'll be playing with these others from Missouri. And once you start to think about that in your in your own mind, you know, I grew up in Missouri, and that's all you, you think about is Mizzou. And when you grow up in Missouri and you want to play for Mizzou, and not that playing for Mizzou was my, my goal in life, but it was one of those things that I knew that if I had a chance to do, it would be great uh, because I could notch that off on one of my lists. Is, hey, I, I went to Missouri. Or excuse me, I was born in Missouri. I went to the school of Mizzou. I graduated from Mizzou. Uh, I'm a Missouri guy through and through. So he sold the idea of playing for the state of Missouri, and that's what I think brought a lot of talent in. Do you still uh, keep in touch with many of the guys you played with? You know, on occasion I do. Uh, not often. Um I, I, I live a little bit away, and uh, Corby and I used to be really close, and Corby is uh, a lawyer. I know he, he was last in Kansas City. I saw him a couple of years ago, uh, unfortunately, when his brother passed away. Uh, but we, we keep in touch on a very random basis. It's not, not very often that we do. But uh, on Facebook, the guys are all there, so you know I get a chance to meet up with them on Facebook and then when I do go to a couple of games, uh, I get a chance to see some of the guys there also. And one of the guys that, that I know, if you don't keep in touch with him, you certainly are uh, now following his career. I mean, you, you played three years with Barry Odom in, at Mizzou. What was it like when uh, when one of your former teammates became the head coach? Man, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I, I really couldn't believe it, that it was happening. Uh, but at the same time, if you go back after Barry graduated and, and what he did wherever he went – it was always great. Um, and so when he came back to Mizzou, I think he was a, a safeties coach at one time or DB coach, and then he became a defensive coordinator um, and then head coach. Man, it's unbelievable. And Barry has been very uh, open about bringing 
former players back. Um, as a matter of fact, coming back, my, my last uh, time coming back, it was because of Barry. So, you know, old players like me, we appreciate that kind of thing. You know, we, we, we uh, try to put our heart and souls out there on the field uh, for the university. And it's always good when it feels like the university is giving back a little, even if it's just a small amount, it always feels good when the university gives back to that player. So, uh, man, I, I, I wish him nothing but the best. And I know that Barry uh, will instill that same mental and physical toughness that he had as a player uh, in the guys that he's coaching today. Talking with former Tiger Devin West, and Devin, I want to ask you because he's now, you know, the the head of the program. So, give a—I mean, first of all, did you see that in, in Barry when you guys played together? And and give me a Barry Odom story. <laughs> okay, I'll try to keep this G rated. Okay, okay. that'll work. I, I, I mean, look, man, this is a podcast on the internet. You can say whatever the hell you want to say, but I don't know if Barry will appreciate it. <laughs> no, I. Uh, Barry, I, I don't know that I've ever ever saw him being a head coach, um, especially at, at you know his alma mater, the zoo. But uh, the fact that he's here now just is a true testament to his work ethic. Uh, Barry and I were in a dorm together, and I share this story a lot because we, we talk about it uh, frequently. We had uh, winter workouts, and he and Jeff Marriott were roommates in the dorm, and we had to go to winter workouts in the morning. I don't know. I don't remember what time it was, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. Anyway, it was during the winter, so it was freezing cold. And I used to have this uh, big green boat called the Ford LTD, and uh, you had to go out and start that thing 30 minutes before <laughs> we even had to get into it because it, was, it would take so long to heat up. But uh, we used to go to practice in that thing. But once you had it started, you know, you didn't have to worry about it warming up the rest of the day because it was always hot. So, I mean, we, we used to go out and, uh, and practice and that, that kind of thing. But I can tell you, Barry on the field uh, was a monster. I mean, absolute monster. Uh, when it was time to practice, you know, he had a serious face on and he was always into practice. And he was always into trying to make himself and the team better. And you saw that on Saturday, too. You know, um, Our nickname for him was the dog. Because uh, he was just everywhere. I mean, the guy was, and, and when he hit you, you could definitely feel it. So, uh, what a great, great, great thing for the University of Missouri to bring him back uh, and be the head coach. Uh, because I know, even though he's from Oklahoma, um, he loves the state of Missouri. Uh, I know that just from talking to him, and he loves Mizzou. So, what a great, great, uh, great deal for him and his family to be back at his alma mater. Now, you obviously, when you were uh, in high school, Missouri was in the Big Eight. I think you, you, I, I'm not sure if you played a year in the Big Eight or not, but we're a Big Twelve guy. What's it like now watching SEC football every Saturday? You know, I uh, I think about that because you know when I played in the Big Twelve, um, you know Nebraska was the team to beat. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma was wasn't that good. Texas was good. Um, but the Big 12 was seemingly the team that, or the conference that you had to beat in order to get to the national championship. Now it's totally different with the SEC. You know, I was I was at the facilities a couple of weeks ago and talking to Barry, and I'm looking at all the guys as they come in. You know, and they were freshmen, and they're all bigger than I am. And I'm like, what do they feed these kids these days? You know, but uh, that's that's a big difference. The SEC uh, today is a very strong conference, extremely strong, probably. Um, I'm not, not probably, it's probably not probably it's the best conference in football. And so the guys that are there, they look like grown men as freshmen. And so, you know, you can't really compare the two. Cause do I believe that in our heyday, we could do some of the things that, 
to beat these teams today? Absolutely. I would never put it past our team or second guess them, but we'll never know that. So let's just keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> we will never be able to, to test that out. But I do think that the SEC is the toughest conference in the league today. And uh, those guys that play for Mizzou today, they look like they're grown men already. I want to ask you with Missouri going to LSU and, and obviously uh, you playing the position. I mean, when you watch Leonard Fournette play, somebody asked me the last time Missouri played against a running back that was that good. And I went back to maybe Adrian Peterson. I mean, what do you see out of that guy? Uh, Fournette? Mm -hmm. Man, uh, he's a monster. When yeah. he runs the football, he is an angry runner. And if he gets to the edge, look out. I mean, he's super fast. That's uh, He's a great running back. Um, not only that, though, some of the things that people miss out on, on running backs is pass protection and protecting the quarterback. He does a lot of the little things well that will probably make him really good in the league. Uh, but when that guy has the football in his hand, if you're a defender, you better come with your A game. If not, he's probably going to run right over the top of you. Uh, so what a great running back. What a great challenge for the Missouri defense this weekend. I know they did a great job against uh, Nick Chubb a couple weeks ago, um, but – you know, Fournette's a different type of back. He's got a lot more speed, I believe, than Chubb, and he's a little bit bigger. Um, so I think it's going to be a great challenge for the defense this weekend. Bringing it kind of full circle, tell me if this is one of the – Damani Cross compared him uh, physically to Lawrence Phillips, but tell me if this is a fair comparison. And like you said, guys are bigger now, but a guy you played a couple years with who I always thought was overlooked in Missouri history – the physical comparison to Ernest Blackwell. He was, to me, the best guy I ever saw at Missouri, combination of size and speed. Yeah, that dude, man. <laughs> he was, he and uh, Shad Chris, who was a, he was a defensive back for yeah. us. Shad was arguably the fastest guy on the team. Well, one day in practice, Shad and Ernest Blackwell had a race. And nobody knows this, but the people that saw the race. Ernest didn't have any shoes on, and he beat Shad Chris. So, uh, Ernest and Ernest Blackwell, probably had what fifty pounds on Chad Chris. Oh yeah, Ernest was huge. He was like six, six three, six four, or maybe taller than that. But he was like two hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty pounds. The dude was huge. So for Ernest to be able to run the way that he did, um, man, he was unreal. So y'all yeah, know I, I agree with you one hundred percent. That guy had some pure athletic ability uh, for his size. Last one for you, and I know most people listening to this have been Missouri fans for a long time, probably know your story, but, uh, I, I mean, almost 1,600 yards as a senior, one of the best running backs in the country. Do you Did you ever spend any time, I'm sure you don't now, but did you back in the day thinking what could have been if your health had held up? You know, the funny thing is uh, I, I do think about it on occasion. Um, because you see these guys on TV, and I think it hit me probably the hardest afterwards, uh, right after the whole thing happened, because that following year I can remember sitting there watching football and seeing some of the guys that I played against um, or some of the guys that played that year and thinking, man, I, I could have been there. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I don't know that I'd change anything, uh, because today I have my lovely wife and I have my lovely three children, and I think if I had done that, would I have them today? Uh, I don't think that's something I'd ever want to give up. So uh, I did spend some time thinking about it, and I talk with my wife about it on occasion, and she reminds me, well, if you did that, then guess what? I wouldn't be here. So she brings me <laughs> back to earth quite a bit. So <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it, 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 it would be, it would have been an awesome opportunity, but I can't say that I regret uh, anything at all. 
All right. Well, Devin, I, great to catch up with you, man. I, it's probably been since uh, we were both seniors at Mizzou since I've seen you. So glad to see you last weekend and catch up with you. Hey, great talking with you. All right. Have a good one, man. You too. Devin West, former Missouri Tiger. We were at Missouri the same years, uh, 95 through 98. And I tell you what, folks, his senior year, 1,578 yards, 18 touchdowns, 319 against Kansas still uh, stands as a single-game Missouri record. He was as good that year, and that 1998 team will always kind of hold a place for me. They led every game at halftime, including Ohio State. Uh, I believe that one was in Columbus. Uh, led A&M down in College Station, which eventually went on to win the Big 12 title that year. That was, to me, the team that brought Missouri back from the dead. We've talked a lot about, hey, Brad Smith's the guy who brought Missouri from terrible to decent to pave the way for Chase Daniel. Well, Devin West, Corby Jones, Brock Olivo, Ernest Blackwell, Carlos Posey, the guys on that team, that was the team that brought Missouri back from the dead and got them to the point where Gary Pinkle and Brad Smith could kind of take that next step and go back to bowl games on a regular basis and stuff. Uh, it was great to see Devin on the field last week. Uh, truly, I think one of the underappreciated guys in Missouri history. Appreciate him taking some time to uh, to join us. And a guy that, that you can hear, man, really loves uh, the University of Missouri and uh, – and the football program still keeps in touch with it, so appreciate him joining us. We'll turn our attention now to this weekend, Saturday night, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 6.30 Central Time, Mizzou, playing LSU for the first time as a member of the SEC, and we're going to talk about it with Mike Scarborough from TigerBait.com, covers LSU for Rivals. Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you taking some time. It has been uh, a little bit of a busy week down in Baton Rouge, huh? Uh, I tell you, man, I've been using the waiter app. I've been uh, uh, having Domino's delivered. I went a uh, good uh, two or two and a half, three days before I even left the house. It was it was just nonstop. Uh, got in the office early Sunday morning, had gotten some rumblings that there was increased activity uh, that was unusual at the LSU uh, football facility. Kind of discounted just because I knew who the actors were that were involved, and I just – I didn't think that uh, any of those guys would uh, do anything that early, and um, just doing the normal uh, post, you know, Sunday after a game stuff on the website, and next thing you know, boom, there it was. Uh, it, it was it was a shocker, and then it was uh, nonstop work until about one in the morning, and back again at seven. Yeah, and. A shocker, and I know I talked to you kind of last year after the season a little bit, and not necessarily a shocker that Les Miles was fired, but really when he was. First off, go back to last offseason. Were you surprised it didn't happen then? You know, it, the, the deal was done. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who will debate it, but Jimbo Fisher was coming to LSU. Um, what you had there was a, a new, newly elected governor, uh, budget problems, a board of supervisors that were – a bit nervous about, uh, you know, some folks that uh, maybe their tenure was going to be uh, either re-upped or not, um, and a special session of the legislature to uh, where they didn't want any more budget cuts to higher education in the state of Louisiana, or they wanted uh, budgets increased, and it was basically uh, the word from the governor was, look, don't come here in the spring, even though the money raised to buy out miles, it was privately raised, the perception of it is wrong. So don't come here in the spring saying, don't uh, cut our budget anymore or we need more money 
when you're going to spend up to $20 million to buy out Les Miles and his assistant coaches. Um, and then that's what scuttled the deal. So, gotcha. Now, this is kind of a two-part question. I guess, why now? And tying into that, I mean, if LSU gets that playoff against Auburn a second and a half sooner and they win that game, Miles is coaching this weekend, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? That that's what it yeah. comes down to? Yeah, but it, but it's also the, the writing's been on the wall. You can just see where... You know, I, I didn't know if it was going to be Auburn or at Florida, you know, preseason. I didn't think what the Wisconsin loss was going to happen. Um, but I just knew that, that either uh, probably at Florida was going to be a landmine, and then you'd get Ole Miss, Alabama, and Arkansas, those three in a row, and then LSU would be right there in that 9-3 and three realm again. And uh, everything that we had gotten preseason was – Anything less than ten and two in a major six bowl game was unacceptable, and so basically, what they saw Saturday night was it's not just about making a change. And you know, people, it was one of the worst attended road games for LSU. I had a guy uh, post tickets on our site; he didn't get a single call. Normally, he sells them in five to ten minutes. Yeah. Um, they're they they're legitimately worried. Uh, our source in the LSU athletic department that that they're worried about being we're worried about being bowl eligible. I mean, they're wanting wow. to make this season salvageable. So, um, I, I think that's part of it, and it also you know situates LSU to where it's uh, you know certainly the premier job opening right now. Uh, it gives them several months to get their ducks in a row, and. Um, I, you know, I, I do think there is some, you know, excitement about Coach Orgeron leading the team. I think they're going to be loose. I think, uh, you know, some of the pressure's off. Um, he's already scaled back practices. Les Miles was notorious for grueling and, and, and grinding practices, uh, tackling during the season, uh, et cetera. Um, so I, I think that that's – I think that there, there's some, some, some positives here, but – Certainly, there's some players on the team that that, that are upset that we're, uh, we're we're very close with Les Miles, and that brings up kind of the point we were talking before we hit record here that we don't know anything about Missouri. A, a lot of people now have no idea what to expect out of LSU Saturday night. Not not so much from scheme and all that. There's only so much you can change in four days. But as far as you know, emotion, motivation, will they come out super fired up or kind of worn out? Uh, what's the thought down there? You know, is it a situation where they come out super fired up, but if Missouri can get on the board quick or get up a couple of scores, then you settle right back down into, you know, it's basically your guy against theirs. And and um, so, you know, I was talking to Brian Lazar this morning, our senior writer, and I'm like, you know, if, if I'm Missouri, do I and I win the toss, do do I choose to go on offense? You know, mm-hmm. or do you try to take – uh, you know, do something about the emotion that, that LSU is going to come out with and see if you can punch him in the mouth early. Hey, hey, this uh, Every LSU game is so much uh, seemingly about Leonard Fournette. Do you think, I mean, listening to Ed Orgeron yesterday, I almost got the impression maybe they'll see how they are without him, and if they need him, they'll put him in. I mean, what do you th- do you think he plays Saturday? Uh, I'm having my doubts that he'll play. Um 
I, I, I think he probably sits out. Uh, for the rest of the season because they think they can win this game without him or simply because he's not going to be healthy enough to go? I think it's uh, this game uh, not healthy enough. Okay, okay. And how about the the other big kind of personnel thing? What about uh, Godshaw, the defensive tackle? I know he was suspended, now not suspended. Do you expect him to play? Yeah, you know, is he going to miss a quarter? Will he miss a half? Um, I think he'll play. Um, yeah. Be very interesting to see how uh, Orgeron handles that situation. Talking with Mike Scarborough, uh, TigerBait.com, about LSU. Just a couple more for you. And Okay, so let's say you're right and Fournette doesn't go. I mean, how much does the LSU offense, which already maybe wasn't the most productive group ever, suffer if he's not out there? Well, you know, look, Geis is a very dangerous back. And, and while he looks, uh, you know, he's got some power to him. He's got some speed. He's, he's very uh, good at catching the ball out of the backfield. I think you'll see some more of that. I think the tight ends are going to get used a, a bit more, which they already have been this season with, uh, since Etling uh, has replaced Harris. Um, and then we wonder if we actually might see Harris in this game. You know, uh, might they try to do some things with him, uh, not ne- necessarily going to a two-quarterback system, but, you know, there's a, just a whole lot of unknowns here mm-hmm. uh, with, with Ensminger calling the shots uh, offensively for the Tigers. The the key to me for this game that I've I've said on our site, Missouri's offensive line's been a whole lot better than we thought, but they haven't played anybody nearly as good as LSU on defense. To me, it's uh, you know, can LSU hit Drew Locke or can uh, Drew Locke has had time to make himself lunch in the pocket in the first four games, which is why they put up the numbers they have. Uh, it, it, do you agree with me, or is there something else yeah, you yeah, see? I, I, I was watching some clips of the game and, and trying to get a feel for the offensive line and their protection. And I'm, you know, there was a couple of throws, and I'm and I'm like, boy, you know, he's not going to get away with that one with, with Arden Key coming off the edge. Right. Um, um, either either slow to, to get rid of it or, or or you know just the release where where it came out at but um, that that's where Missouri's kind of an unknown you you, you look at the, the, the who they played and you know played a good game against Georgia um, so it's going to be interesting. All right, last one. Uh, just kind of want to ask you, this is, I know Missouri sold out their ticket allotment. It's the first time they've played LSU since they've been in the league. I know Missouri fans have been looking forward to this one for a long time. So give me kind of the uh, 48-hour plan for a Missouri fan coming to Baton Rouge. No, oh, just get down there, mingle with LSU fans. They're going to feed you well. Um, sample all the uh, Louisiana delicacy. Uh, have a good time. It looks like the weather is going to be perfect. Um, but you never know. Louisiana can turn on a dime. Um, but uh, come down here and enjoy, enjoy the venue. But certainly uh, uh, get to get to around some of those LSU tailgates because they're going to give you the boudin, and the, the gumbo, and the jambalaya, and, and and everything else along with the liquor. That that's always a key ingredient. Uh, Friday night or Saturday at lunch? Give me the the one place you'd say, hey, Missouri fans got to go here to get something to eat and here to get something to drink. Man, there's so many good places. I think if you're if you're uh, tailgating or if, if you're in an RV and you're wanting to stay close by, maybe hit the uh, the chimes or walk-ons. Um, you know, there's several good seafood places there. Um, but I, I'd, I'd kind of I, I might even steer off the beaten path and, and uh, hit some of the places on Perkins uh, Road. Uh, multiple good good places. Certainly. Uh, uh, I, I would ask around. Uh, I think that um, 
a lot of good seafood if you're if you're if you're going for that. But um, a lot of good stuff off of Perkins Road and Acadian. All right, well, Mike, I, I think you and I are in the same boat, man. We got no idea what to expect, so it should be fun to watch Saturday night. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's kind of a um, you know certainly we, we you looking to see what the, this how this team reacts and. Um, there is a renewed enthusiasm here. It's partly um, fans knowing what the season is now and seeing what uh, can be salvaged. And then it's going to be a long two months where who's the next coach going to be? And uh, the answer today will be the same answer. It's going to be in three or four weeks. Um, but it ain't going to stop people from talking about it. Yeah, well, I uh, hope sometime between now and, I don't know, like December 3rd when they hire a coach, you get a chance to come up for breath. Thanks for uh, joining us, man. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me, Gabe. All right, have a good one. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. Uh, Scarborough's been covering LSU forever. One of the guys in the SEC, I mean, he, he's been around that program for a long time. Uh, I talked to him last offseason about Les Miles, and, and now, uh, you know, Finally, Missouri and LSU playing. It's the last team Missouri hasn't played as a member of the SEC. And, and look, I completely agree with Mike. We don't know what to expect out of LSU, and we don't know how good Missouri is. Uh, I mean, they played two decent teams, and they got beat by both of them. So LSU in Baton Rouge Saturday night is no easy task. A little surprised by the 13-point spread. I think it'll be a close game, but, uh, you know, that's a, that's a tough one down there. LSU uh, tends to send a lot of people home with losses leaving Tiger Stadium. So I wanted to get you guys kind of a primer on uh, what to do Friday night in Baton Rouge, Saturday during the day, and uh, hope you all enjoy it down there. Thanks to Mike Scarborough. Thanks to Devin West for a little uh, trip in the Wayback Machine. And we will be back probably next week during the bye week. We'll wait and see what happens during the bye week. We may take a week off of the podcast and come back and preview Florida, but one way or another, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.